Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Chase and Sarah here. 
Thank you for joining us. Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, we did that a couple shows back. Chase and Sarah, we are married. We are coming up on... Four for years? you guys that have been listening to like every show, you're like, yeah, we know. Yeah. Okay. But we got new listeners, hopefully yeah. more and more, because hopefully our longtime listeners, you guys are sharing it with your friends and family. Like we said, if you just share with one person, if every one of you shared with one person, it would be amazing. We would love that. And we would double our audience. Yes. If all of them subscribe. <laughs> so tell them to subscribe. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we have another Great show for you today with Dr. Janice Webb, and she is a licensed psychologist, speaker, blogger, and best-selling author who wrote the first book ever written about childhood emotional neglect, and she's recognized as a worldwide pioneer in this area. And so, of course, we had her on to talk about how childhood emotional neglect can negatively affect your adult relationships. And we all might have some level of that. It doesn't have to be an overt level of emotional neglect. It can be something as simple as if your parents didn't really ask you about your feelings often. And it doesn't mean they were bad parents. And we talk about from a parenting perspective, right. <laughs> how to make sure we are uh, attending to our kids' emotional needs, as you know, or might not know, we have a three-year-old. So we definitely want to make sure we're doing that. And now we can look at our own lives and see how that might be negatively affecting our relationship and how we can move forward. Or maybe it's our negatively affecting our partner and thus the relationship and how we can move forward in a better, more positive way. Yes. And we have uh, a couple questionnaires and, and PDF exercises um, that Dr. Webb shared with us. So we'll be sure to link that in the show notes page on our website at idopodcast.com. And uh, as always, thank you so much for listening and please share our podcast and we love you guys. Enjoy the episode. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Dr. Webb. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Chase. I'm very happy to be here. Dr. Webb, we've given our listeners a little overview. We always like to start the show after we give your professional background with why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Oh, that's a great question. Well, I think that um, probably my passion for helping couples basically evolved organically over time. Um, I've worked for with couples for about 15 years, but... Um, the way that I work with couples actually changed a lot when I discovered the importance and the influence of childhood emotional neglect on adults and their relationships. And just in a nutshell, childhood emotional neglect happens when parents fail to respond enough to the, their child's emotions as they raise their child. And um, it can be invisible and very difficult to remember 
um, and it happens in loving, caring homes even. But it, when you raise a child this way, you unwittingly do not equip your child to have healthy, rewarding relationships in adulthood. So over time, seeing a lot of couples, and uh, I wrote my first book about this in 2012, I uh, saw how helping couples see their own childhood emotional neglect is a really powerful tool to help them build intimacy and resilience and learn some really essential skills in their relationships. So um, I wrote my second book about that exact topic in 2017, um, just last year, and um, I now see a lot of couples in my practice and speak and blog about relationships a lot. So I'm very passionate about it and really happy to be here on this show for that very reason. Well, we know we have a lot to learn ourselves from this topic, and I'm sure our listeners. So what I'm thinking is, and and we're going to dive into how this topic of uh, emotional neglect and childhood affects our adult relationships, but I think a good place to start would be how to recognize for ourselves we might have been emotionally neglected. And you mentioned it, like it can even happen in a loving household. And so I'm thinking like in my own head, I felt like I was not emotionally neglected, but maybe you can talk about the subtle ways that that, that might happen and then the overt ways that that is expressed. Yes. Well, um, it can happen very, very subtly because you can be growing up in a household where you're driven to every soccer game, um, where your parents are at all of your, you know, the plays that you're in, and you feel supported in many ways. But if your parents don't notice your feelings and respond to them enough, then you are in danger of receiving a powerful subliminal message from your parents, which is your feelings don't matter. And children internalize this message very, very well and learn that they need to protect their parents from their emotions, from their own emotions and themselves and everybody around them from their feelings. And without any awareness that this is happening, children wall off their feelings and it enables them to get through in their childhood home um, without, you know, burdening the people around them. Or so they they think. But then once you grow into adulthood, we all need our emotions to survive and thrive. That's why they're built into us. So when you grow up this way, you might look back and remember that you had really a pretty good childhood. Um, but you're actually missing having complete access to your own feelings. And so as an adult, what I started to notice over time in doing a lot of work with a lot of different clients in a lot of different settings is that so many people feel disconnected and kind of unfulfilled inside and like there's something not quite right with them, like something is missing. Sometimes there's an emptiness inside. Some people will say, I feel a numbness or I don't feel things the way other people do. And um, maybe kind of a feeling of being alone in the world and all of those things, what I've discovered is that they all come from having poor access or not enough access to your own feelings as an adult. So just to dig into that 
specific circumstance a little more as a kid, like what would that look like? Like the parent just not asking, uh, about how the kid is feeling, like how, how would that uh, play out? Yeah, it can look a lot of different ways. I'll give you some examples. Um, it can go all the way from parents just not noticing or pretending not to notice when you're upset, when your feelings are hurt, um, just kind of ignoring feelings like families that don't use feeling words, um, just don't use the words, don't talk the language of emotion, don't um, address things that are difficult or meaningful. There are a lot of families that do this, that just simply avoid talking about hard things or noticing each other's feelings. Um, and, you know, another example could be, I'll give you some real examples. Um, a, a client of mine um, remembers sitting at the family dinner table with a centerpiece so big that the family members couldn't see each other. Um, so it was sort of like, you know, he would look back and think, well, you know, we had dinner together every night. The, the family members were so separate and there are so many different ways that parents can fail to see and respond to their children's inner selves and feelings. And um, it can happen if you have an addicted parent who's not paying attention because they're too taken up by something else. It can be a narcissistic parent who's too focused on themselves. It can be a struggling parent who is at work um, all the time and means well, but just isn't physically present enough to notice. It can happen in many different ways. But the message is the same, which is your feelings don't matter. We have a, a daughter, Stella. She is three years old. And I know a, a, many of our listeners have children too. And although I do want to dig in on more on the relationship side, while we're on the kind of the parenting side of it, can you explain to us and our listeners just quickly, like what f using feeling terminology and feeling words are so that going forward, if they are wanting to maybe correct some of these things that they're doing to with their children or stop the cycle that um, they're continuing from their childhood, how can they use certain words to allow their children to express their feelings and communicate them? Yeah. Before I answer that, I would like to just say that I'm a parent too. <laughs> and all parents fail their children emotionally a lot. And it's not really a problem unless it crosses a certain threshold. So I'm not trying to alarm parents or make parents feel guilty or like they're not doing a good enough job. Um, it's not about that at all. Um, this is not uh, about blame or guilt. It's really just about, you know, questions like you just asked, like, what can we do? What should mm -hmm. we do? So um, the answer to your question is um, using emotion words with a child. Like, for example, uh, an example I give a lot is a 10-year-old boy who has trouble on the school, um, at school, on the playground. Actually, I guess it would have to be younger because 12-year-olds aren't usually on playgrounds. <laughs> so let's make it eight, an eight-year-old um, whose friends gang up with, on him on the, um, on the playground. and he is very hurt and upset and goes home feeling very upset. And the parents, you know, emotionally neglectful parents might just say, how was school today? 
fine. Okay, go do your homework, right? Um, but if you want to, to deal with it in an emotionally uh, responsive way, you would say, hey, um, it's, you don't seem quite right. What happened at school today? Is something wrong? And then your child might tell you the story and then you might say, well, that must have been very upsetting. I bet it hurt your feelings when your very best friend turned on you like that. But this does happen sometimes. You know, here's a story of what happened to me. Here's how I felt. I was really hurt. I didn't even want to talk to my best friend for a week. Um, But when we're hurt, there are things to do. And here's what maybe you could say to your best friend tomorrow to try to break the ice. Let's think about what we can do here. So in that conversation, the parent is educating the child about what he's feeling, how to name those feelings normalizing and validating the child's feelings and also helping the child learn what to do with those feelings and how to use them in a way that can make the situation better. So raising kids, there are literally an infinite um, number of opportunities to do that. And I think the more parents do that with their children, the better equipped they're going to be as adults, as individuals and in their relationships. That phrase or that that uh, exercise of validating the kids' feelings, we see that come up so much in adult relationships yeah. and how, and we actually just were talking about this with our uh, previous guest of just the simple fact of your partner validating your feelings of, uh, and empathizing with you, how powerful that can be. And for someone that it's extremely powerful is maybe someone that didn't get that validation when they were a kid to kind of bring this full circle. But yeah, as parents, we definitely want to be cognizant of that and, and try to to validate our kids' feelings. And maybe we can wrap that in to a kid that didn't have their feelings validated, they were emotionally neglected. Now as an adult, how are they, how is that coming out in their relationships? Yes. So when you grow up without receiving enough of that, you and your feelings are walled off because you don't know what to do with them and they're perceived as a burden and not a help, then you really... Um, People who grow up with emotional neglect tend to can make some mistakes even as soon as um, as early on as the choice of a partner. They can um, they often gravitate toward each other because if you're not comfortable with emotion and you don't really have access to yours, you may be more comfortable marrying someone who um, has the same sort of lack of emotion. But the problem that arises there is that then there's not enough emotion in a relationship. And, you know, if there are couples therapists listening, they will really identify with um, the experience of having couples come in and say, we are, you know, we've been married 20 years, but we don't feel like we, you know, we don't even know each other. We're so distant. We have separate lives. And that is so often because the emotional glue that should be there is just simply there's not enough of it. The emotional glue is what would be keeping them connected and stimulated, you know, and, and um, keeping the passion going. Um, 
They can also marry someone who has a lot of emotion because they're sort of attracted to it, like a moth in flame, uh, a moth to flame. And um, that can be a problem too, because the emotional person might end up feeling kind of unfulfilled by the person that doesn't have access to their emotions. So, um, and then of course there are all the emotion skills that the emotionally neglected child doesn't get to learn knowing how to identify and talk about emotions. If you're not good at that and don't have the foundations for learning how to do it better, it's going to hold your relationship back for sure. All right. So let's unpack this a little. If, <laughs> if I'm, if uh, we're listening and we have a listener out there who's identifying uh, and they say, yeah, I think I was a little bit emotionally neglected. They, they look back and, they they feel like their feelings weren't validated and how can they communicate that to their partner and then and then we'll also talk about the flip side is how the partner can support them uh when they are a partner that is emotionally has been emotionally validated as a child it's not an issue as an adult how can can those two navigate uh forward Yes, this is, uh, I, I found as a couples therapist that talking about childhood emotional neglect takes the blame out of the problem that a couple is having. And there are so many situations in which one member of a couple can say to the other, here's what I think either my problem is, or here's what I think is going wrong with our marriage here's what I think is why I'm not happy enough in our relationship. I think it's because you, I, or both of us grew up with childhood emotional neglect. And it kind of, in taking the blame out of it, it's, it's non-blaming, it's non-pathologizing, and it's simply just saying this is something that one or both of us didn't get as a child. And the great thing that I have found over and over about childhood emotional neglect is that it is something that can be healed as an adult. We can heal it in ourselves and we can heal it in our marriage. And um, the way to do it is it has to be kind of done on both levels. But if say one person in of a one member of a couple grew up with emotional neglect and just simply doesn't have um, the emotional glue to offer the relationship, that person can start to, um, the step, the first step is actually remarkably effective, which is ju just start to pay attention to your own feelings. And this is, um, this is all, my two books are both about all of this, like exactly how to do it. Um, but essentially there, there's a tool that I developed um, that helps you look inward and identify what you're feeling and then put words to what you're feeling. And then um, once you get better at that, then you can start learning the skills. It's amazing. When people start doing that, they start having more feelings. And once you start having more feelings, you can start learning what to do with those feelings. And um, it's a process that couples can do together. And people can do individually, but the great thing is you have a common goal and you're working on it. And um, it actually can show some pretty quick results once you really turn your attention to this problem. 
So what are, definitely we're going to encourage our listeners to read those books, but are there a couple questions you can give us for someone that is trying to examine their feelings to that uh, that doesn't really come naturally to themselves? How how can they initiate that process? Well, I'll just uh, describe the um, the exercise I mentioned. It's called the identifying and naming exercise, and this one you do individually. You turn your attention inward. You count to ten while you count your breaths and get yourself into a kind of relaxed state, and then you ask yourself, what am I feeling right now? And you pay attention to your body and what might what you might be feeling. And um, a lot of people have trouble coming up with a feeling, but if you keep trying, you will start to come up with feelings. And um, if you're trying to do it as a couple, there are um, two exercises. One is... Um, the feeling worksheet, which is, and actually this, this is in my second book, but it's also free on my website. People can go and download it. Um, the I feel worksheet, which is you track your own emotions during the day and then um, you go over them together as a couple at the end of every day or every week, whichever you can manage. And then the second worksheet is called the What My Partner Is Feeling Sheet in which, you know, once a day you just look at your partner and watch and try to guess what you think your partner is feeling and you write that down. And then at the end of the day, you compare notes and find out if you were right or wrong. It makes you start paying attention to your own feelings and the other person's feelings and also get some real data, which can help you learn whether how good you are at identifying, you know, your partner's feelings. And it also requires you to just tune in with each other and communicate. So those are some examples. So for our listeners who maybe one person is re- related to having um, childhood neglect and they want to bring it, bring it up front in the relationship and talk about it, what can the one person who's bringing it up, what can they tell their partner about the benefits of this openness and like how it will improve the relationship. Cause I know there are many times where most people want to work on their relationship, but hearing the research behind what can happen in a relationship when they talk about feelings could maybe make somebody want to talk about them even more. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it's, it's a matter of, of saying to your partner, look, I, you know, I've been telling you for a while that I'm not, I'm feeling something is missing in our relationship or I'm not feeling happy enough and, you know, or we've been having these problems communicating or what, however it is you, you've identified the problem. And then um, you can say to your partner, I feel like maybe I found what the problem is. And it's a problem, the good news, it's a problem that is neither of our fault and we didn't ask for it. And um, yet we can, we can work on it together and we can definitely heal it in our relationship and make our relationship a lot better. It's called childhood emotional neglect. It's something from childhood. Um, And it's just simply an absence of skills and an, uh, something we didn't get in childhood, but we can now 
we can now get it. So let's see if we can do this together. I think framing this conversation about emotional neglect from childhood, but a lot of things in our lives and in our relationship in framing it from the perspective of, because uh, almost everything, everything of who we are comes from our past experiences. And a lot of that, as you've said, and, and we know it comes from our early childhood. And I know for Sarah and I, it's been really valuable, uh, especially recently with some of the issues that we're working on to, for, for, us to identify individually what it is that is causing maybe a negative emotion and then examine that introspectively for ourselves is important, but then communicate that to our partner because now Sarah, for example, is able to come to the problem from a more empathetic stance of going, oh, Chase isn't necessarily saying these things because he's trying to be mean. He's saying it because he was raised in such a way that that is how he feels like he needs to communicate or, or, you know, I'm just using that as a, as a example, it's not actually what's happened, but that has just been so valuable and vice versa, you know, for me to realize like we are who we are almost in, in some of the things that we might be negatively feeling from our partner, it's not because our partner is trying to be mean to us or they're not loving necessarily. It's a deep-rooted psychological trauma or conditioning from childhood. And it's just such a valuable perspective to take. Yeah, it really is. And I think that, um, I think when you turn that way of thinking um, and focus it on emotions, it works in an even kind of different way. Um, you know, you may have heard, let's say, a person hears their their father berate their mother, you know, put down and insult their, their mother as they grow up. They And then they do that to their spouse. Um, the spouse could say, well, yes, I, I understand you're doing this because you grew up with it. That doesn't make it okay or acceptable. Um, but you can also look look at it through the emotion lens, which is what are you feeling when you say those kinds of things to me? And we need to figure out what the feelings driving that are because then we can deal with the actual cause instead of the, the behavior. Um, so it kind of is a, a little bit of a, an extension a more, um, you know, taking the whole idea that our childhoods determine our adulthoods and focus it, focusing in, focusing that lens in even more um, powerfully, I think, on emotions in particular. I like this. And, and I like what you're saying of getting to the root of the problem, because I feel like in a lot of the things that Sarah and I try to work on, it might initially not now, not so much as in the past because we've been working on it, but initially it comes out as something, I always use this example, but uh, take out the garbage. And it really has nothing to do with taking out the garbage. <laughs> There's, And I'm not saying that's even our specific thing, but for whatever reason, I always use that. But, um, but it's 
it's something much deeper than that surface level desire or that surface level trigger that, that a partner feels in, in so focusing on the emotions and digging it down, like you're saying, it, it's so valuable in not repeating the cycle. I think that's the big thing we found is, is like, it's the same argument. It's the same trigger over and over. And then we're arguing about taking the trash out, but it's not about taking the trash out. So it's not productive. So it's such a yeah. great way to look at things. Are there any other ways, like, can we talk more, a little bit more about the ways we can get to the root of these problems and, and just different dialogues or different ways to help our partner examine these things? Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Babbel. Babbel is the number one selling language learning app in the world. Not only can you learn Spanish, which has been super helpful for Sarah and I as we live in Costa Rica, I helped habla español and got the uh, guy to fix a sink today, so that was nice. <laughs> but you can also learn French, Italian, German, Russian, Swedish, and more. Babbel's short 10 to 15 minute lessons are available on the app or online and are designed to get you speaking confidently in your new language within weeks. And one thing I love about Babbel is that it's really helped me learn all kinds of practical situations like Chase mentioned today, fixing a sink, <laughs> um, but also like ordering food, asking for directions or talking to Stella's babysitter who only speaks Spanish, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so go to babbel.com and use all Offer code I do to get 50% off your first three months. That's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Offer code I do for 50% off your first three months. Today's episode is also brought to you by Zola. If you're engaged or planning a wedding, Zola Registry is the place to be. Zola is reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience to make the happiest moments in couples' lives even happier. I was not much of a planner for our wedding, but if I was going to be a planner, I would definitely use Zola because it takes the stress out of wedding planning. With free wedding websites, save the dates and invitations, a wedding registry, and free, easy-to-use wedding planning tools. Yeah, I really wish Zola was around when we were planning because it would have made my life so much easier. Zola's free wedding websites can be created in minutes and you can choose from over a hundred beautiful designs that will fit any couple style and they are all free. You have the ability to add photos, stories about where you met, details about the accommodations, literally almost anything you can think of. And you can even add on your Zola registry to your free Zola wedding website. Zola registry just makes registering for newlywed life super easy. Shop over 500 top brands from KitchenAid and Cuisine Art. What, we can get a blender, blend some stuff up. <laughs> yeah. that, that would be nice. To Sonos and Airbnb. I like that better. Stay yeah. somewhere yeah. really cool. <laughs> Maybe a tree top bungalow and, and even create a honeymoon fund and register for travel gift cards like Delta and Southwest. 
talk about a modern day registry. Right. So to start your free wedding website or registry on Zola, go to Zola.com slash I do. That's Zola, Z-O-L-A dot com slash I do. Um, well, I'll just give an example of a, a couple that I was seeing um, for therapy who got into a huge fight about an umbrella. And it turned out, you know, they were like, why did this fight balloon? It lasted a whole week. We, we, you know, it was ridiculous and horrible. We hated each other for a whole week over this umbrella. And, you know, of course it turned out the umbrella represented for the wife being cared for by the husband. And she just felt that her husband didn't care about her on so many levels that that umbrella represented to her a feeling, a feeling of being uncared for. So um, when couples get into conflicts and uh, they're not, you know, they often get caught up in trying to figure out, number one, who's right or wrong, which is just a complete dead end um, in most situations because they're probably both right and they're probably both wrong. Um, they get caught up in arguing facts and um, events, and they're missing, and actually a lot of couples therapists do this as well, um, but the the real answer lies in the emotions, and in reality, all this wife needed to hear was her husband saying, of course I care, of course I care, I care, and I'm just not showing you in the way that you need it, and sometimes the answer to the problem is so clear and really, it's just it just requires a meeting of the minds. It's not about an action necessarily or a fact. It's about the emotion underlying it. So I always tell couples, when you're in a conflict and it's going nowhere, instead of talking about facts or who's right, pull back from that, take a break, think about what you each feel about the situation, use some put some feeling words on it um, and then come back together and share your feeling words because that's where you should start from. And it really does often lead to a very different outcome when you start there. And I would love for you to comment on this too, but that it can take time. Like there are, there's been conversations that Chase and I, the underlying issue has been something we've been dealing with for you know, 10 years. And like, it's just about the progress that you can make with your partner. And that sometimes it just takes time and really, I guess, having that acceptance for your partner and just being there and understanding that they're sharing their emotions. And that's really one of the most important things. Yes, absolutely. And also just, it's important to keep in mind that emotions are neither right nor wrong. They just are. They're wired into us. We don't choose what to feel. Our feelings choose us. They come from our central nervous system and the base of our brains, and we don't get to decide what we feel. So whatever, <clears throat> for all of us, whatever our partner is feeling is valid in and of itself. We might not feel that way. And we might have a hard time understanding why our partner would feel that way. 
But that's really where the answer lies, is understanding why your partner feels the way that he or she feels. And once you start making that your goal, instead of finding out who's right or wrong, it makes for a very different kind of conversation. It's a lot more productive and goes on a much deeper level. Yeah, instead of arguing about an umbrella for a week, you figure out <laughs> it's not about the umbrella. And but and I don't even say that in a it's halfway joking, but we've we haven't we've argued about umbrellas, but we've argued about things that are the seemingly, trash. Yeah, and and <laughs> no. we gotta get Yeah, exactly. What couple hasn't, right? right? Definitely. So so I love this perspective of looking at our emotions and and trying to Look at where they're coming from. If it's coming from neglect, it, certainly that's that's going to exhibit itself. And then maybe the partner that doesn't have that is able to empathize more. Um, but you mentioned to realize that emotions are neither right nor wrong. And on paper, I think a lot of people, hopefully now they will realize that that's a, a good perspective to take. But now when we take that in to a conflict, and we're, if we're both recognizing that, uh, each member of, uh, of the conflict, then but then how do we not get stuck? Because if I'm like, this really irritates me when you do this, and I, I'm sorry, but this is just the emotion, and then the other partner is like, well, tough, and I'm sorry, but that's just my emotion. I know there's a lot of different circumstances, but how can we then navigate forward once we've established that our emotions are neither right nor wrong? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question because this is really, really important. Part of it, um, <clears throat> saying that emotions are neither right nor wrong doesn't mean that they are should be allowed to run the show. And every single adult human being has a responsibility for their own emotions. So the first step is acknowledging, is, is being aware of your own feelings and learning as much as you can about your partner's feelings and then um, applying some logic. And I don't mean necessarily facts, but synthesizing that information between the two people, why you both feel what you feel, trying to understand why the other person feels what they feel and what they do feel. Um, synthesizing that and working through it together, each person, it's very important for them to take responsibility for what they're feeling and see it through, try to see it through the other person's eyes as well and come to some sort of understanding about what's actually wrong. Um, and it is kind of a, a formula that you can follow. And I, I hope I'm not making this sound like it's, I think it's easy because I don't at all. I've had to do it many times myself. I'm married and I've walked through it with many, many couples in my office. It can be messy and complicated and it does take place over time. You know, the same subject, the same problem could come up over and over, over years for a couple. But if you keep processing it in this way, you'll keep getting to a deeper and deeper level on it and it will bother you less and less. I'm glad you mentioned that uh, you struggle with it just as much as any of any uh, anyone out there. And we try to say that, too, is like we're by no means. I mean, you're someone that is professionally trained in, in dealing with these 
things. And it's because it's not easy. It's relationships take work. And, and uh, so it's an important thing to remember, but it's work worth doing. And, uh, definitely. And I can't, we're kind of, we're not glossing over it, but it, I just want to emphasize how valuable and important and how much it can help if you can just really do that work of understanding your own feelings, the the roots of these feelings, and then your partner doing the same and then coming together and then trying to empathize with the partner and understanding that they're not coming from that they want what's best for you, hopefully. And, and just putting yourself in their shoes that can be, and it's not easy, like you said, but if we're constantly doing that, whether, you know, whether it's about taking out the trash or, or bigger things, or those are the big things. But if we're constantly doing that, it's, it's not easy, but it's worth it. And it's going to be a better perspective than arguing about the umbrella and, and just, on the surface level things. And it can, it can just take your relationship to the next level, not just with your partner, but with yourself. Um, that if you're constantly trying to, to do this work. Yes, exactly. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't have said it better. So, so, you know, we started in talking about how recognizing that past childhood, emotional neglect and, and how that's affecting us as an adult. And we've, we've, got some great ways to to think about that and and then realize how it's showing in our relationship are there any major dynamics or other ways that people should be looking at their past or or looking how it's uh, exhibiting itself negatively in the current relationship when it comes to childhood neglect yeah i mean i think some some um some kind of um, red flags to look for that might suggest that one one of you in a couple has been emotionally neglected is um, if you tend to avoid conflict because, you know, when you grow up emotionally neglected, you don't really learn what to do with your anger or how to express it. And conflict can be very, um, very scary for emotionally neglected people. If you're in a relationship where you feel lonely or kind of empty in the relationship that can be a sign. If you talk mostly about events and facts and surface topics, that can be a sign. Um, if you have a lack of passion in your relationship, that can be a sign as well. And um, another thing people can do is on my website is a, a questionnaire that I developed, the emotional neglect questionnaire that people can take for free. And it helps you, um, if you suspect you or your partner might have this going on, it would probably make sense to just go there and take that questionnaire. Well, that sounds like a, a great first step for, for just trying to just get to the root of maybe figuring this out and realizing, yeah, you know, I have some level of an emotional neglect because you can't work on a problem if you're not first establishing that there is a problem <laughs> and then examining, yes, exactly. examining yep. that. So Dr. Webb, I think that's a great way for us to wrap up here. And you've given us, Sarah and I and our listeners, some great 
information, some things to dive into, some worksheets. We're going to link to all that in your show notes uh, in the description of this podcast and on our website. Before we wrap up, are there any things that you want to leave our listeners with um, on this topic? And uh, then we could say goodbye. Uh, well, I guess I'd like to say that uh, it's very hard to give your partner something you don't have yourself, which is, you know, emotion. But if you give it to yourself first, then you have it for your partner. And all of it can be done. I've seen people, I've seen many, many, many people recover from childhood emotional neglects and heal their relationships. So um, it's very, it's a very encouraging and, and positive thing. And thanks so much for having me on. Thank you so much, Dr. Webb. And can you tell our listeners where they can find you online and, and find those links and uh, more, more information about you if they'd like to reach out to you? Yes, absolutely. It's emotionalneglect.com. That's my website. Excellent. Well, that will be in your show notes page, like we mentioned. Um, and our listeners know to go there to check all those links out. And thank you so much for joining us. Excellent. Thanks a lot. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14-day Happy Couple Challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, we also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, we encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, the group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week you were listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.